Well, hey, good morning, church. Uh, I don't know if you got the email this week, but we have a guest speaker with us today, and I'm really excited. Um, Yeah, please give him a warm welcome. Pastor Steve, you can come on out. So Pastor Steve moved to um, our area, I think, permanently back in April, right? That was when you officially permanently? April 15. Okay, tax day. So... (laughs) And so he has served as a pastor for Shelter Rock Church over in Long Island for about 20 years. You served there. And uh, so glad he now lives in our backyard. They've been attending church with us. He's a great part of our community. I'm really, really excited uh, all about the way God's, God's been using you already. He's a very kingdom-minded pastor. Uh, even in, in, in Long Island, he was just known for networking pastors. He's preached a bunch of times up in Boulder City. And we're really, really glad that he's been able to be with us today. And his wife's been here at church already helping with so many things as a volunteer. So thank you, Pastor Steve. And give him one more hand for him being here today. Thank you, Brad. Yeah. Good morning, Church of Lake Mead. Got a question for you. How many of you took a vitamin this morning? Just raise your hand. A few of you. I know a bunch of you took vitamins this morning. Well, you're going to take one more now. Everyone get to your feet. Everyone get to your feet. I want you to help me here because we're going to take a vitamin from Scripture. This is a Scripture you probably don't know, but it's going to bless you. You ready? Here it is. And you're going to say it out loud with me. Here's the reference. Micah 3.8. And let's say it together. Micah 3.8. One more time. Micah 3.8. Now here is the scripture. And it is awesome. As for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, with justice and with might. You notice I'm doing a little motions here so you guys can learn it. Ready to go? We're going to start with the reference. Micah 3.8. As for me... I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice, and with might. That was pretty wimpy. We're going to do better now. Here we go. Micah 3.8. As for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice, and with might. All right. Good job. You may be seated. I want you guys to learn a little vitamins here in terms of not just taking care of your body, but also taking care of your spirit and seeing how we can grow together. So we're in a brand new series in which we're looking at family values. And last week we uh, had Pastor Brad start this series with us and give us some great stuff. And I loved when he told stories of what it was like growing up in his household because it reminded me of my own journey of growing up. Do you remember he told the story about the big explosion that went off in Henderson in the the 1980s? And the moment that happened, his mother goes into prayer mode, and she uses the the King James language, oh, Lord, we beseech thee to come and protect us. And, And it was a beautiful prayer. And he realized that prayer was a big part of his family. And so I asked my wife, I said, if you look at my family, And all the things that you heard and stories and observing my parents, what would you say is a value of growing up in my parents' household? And without a moment's hesitation, she said, church attendance. And and she's right. My mom tells me that when I was two weeks old, I was in church. And because my mother was the keyboard player and the choir director, my father was the head of the Sunday school I would be the baby passed around from person to person while my parents were serving. And I clearly see. In fact, I did the arithmetic. I'm 62 now. 
in my entire life, I think I did not miss more than maybe a dozen church services. That's a lot of church services that I've been a part of. But that has been my world. But I, I was thinking about another value that was very important in my family. And that was scripture memory. If you ask my dad what was his favorite scripture, without a moment's hesitation, he would say, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. If you ask my mother what her favorite scripture was, and if you knew it, you could get the answer to her password on like every account that she had. It was Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good report, if anything is praiseworthy, think about these things. And so, no surprise, when I was about five years old, my mother took me to a room in our house we called the TV room, and she said, Steve, I'm going to teach you a set of scriptures. And there we were. And she said, I'm going to teach you John 14. And so, repeat after me. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So there I am, at five years old. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then we continue, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. And I put those words into my heart. These are our family values. Now, as a church, we have family values. I have a friend back in New York, he says this, the church is not like a family. The church is a family. And so when we recognize that and own that, we act and, and consider things differently. And you remember last week, Pastor Brad showed us that you have these values which turn to behaviors and become a church culture. And last week, what was the value we focused on? It was prayer. We want to be a community that prays together that knows what it means to pray in small groups, as individuals, in larger groups. And, and remember that he told you that the prayer gathering before the first service, he called it originally the 100 that gather together. And that number was not a realistic number. It was a goal. It was a hope. And then he thought, no, no, in light of the scripture, in light of the book of Acts, he wanted to change the name to the 120, the 120 club, those who are praying at 820 in the morning. And you know, today, our attendance in that prayer service went up. We had close to 80 people praying, and we're going for the 120, folks. And, and here's a challenge. Just because you're at the 11 o'clock service doesn't mean you can't show up at 820, pray with us, and then go off to breakfast. Come back. But the bottom line is we want to be a church that prays. We want that to be part of our culture. Well, today, continuing that theme... We're going to look at another aspect that we see in the early church that we'd like to be a part at the church at Lake Mead. And here it is, that we sit under the apostles' teaching, that we are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, with that in mind, let's pray that God would open our hearts and our spirits because his spirit is here and we can anticipate great things from a great God. So let's pray. Father, it is our privilege right now to spend a few moments in your word and as a result, to be changed, to be transformed. But Lord, we are hard-hearted and thick-skinned, and we need your Spirit to indwell us from head to toe. So Father, by your Spirit, soften our hearts, draw us to yourself, and in the end, may your Son, Jesus, be glorified. 
But Father, I also pray for those who may be in this room who have never entered into a living relationship with your son. I pray that your spirit would draw them to yourself and that in the end, they might discover this sweet salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, would you open it now? We're going to look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2, looking in at verse 42. Now, a little background for the book of Acts. Can somebody tell me here, you Bible scholars, who wrote the book of Acts? The Luke. That's excellent. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. He is writing to a person, his name is Theophilus, to give an orderly account of what Jesus did among us, and then what the early church was like. This is helpful because it gives us an understanding. Things that we see in the book of Acts, we can get interpretation in the book of Luke, and it guides us. It's also another interesting thing about Luke, you may not know. He's the only Gentile author in the New Testament. Everyone else was Jewish. But he also was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And scholars will tell you, if you read through the book of Acts, you will come across what they call we passages. And that is when Luke was actually traveling with Paul and says, and then we did this, and and then we did that. But now I want to look and focus in on Acts chapter 2 and very simple verse which describes the early church and what they were known like. What was their culture? And I come into the passage, verse 42, and I read this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, which we just did, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now that's what we're going to look at today, this idea of being devoted to the apostles' teaching. But to illustrate this, man, I I would love to give you an image of this. Is there a staff member at this church who kind of looks a little like Jesus? There's the man, Chris. Pastor Chris, come on up. If anyone looks like Jesus, Pastor Chris looks a whole lot like Jesus. He's got the beard going, and and Chris, put this on. Let's give the full look. We want you to have that full Jesus look and appearance, okay? Did you see that picture? Go back to that picture. This is the way he used to look. I mean, do you see Jesus all over this guy? I mean, really good. So so you, you put this on. And what we're going to do is we are going to imagine that we are visiting the home of Mary and Martha, okay? And so there you go. You're looking a little more Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit in this chair because in Jewish style of teaching, you sit down when you're teaching. And I want you to look like you're teaching. You know, do some hand motions. You're a preacher. You know how to do this. You're good. Okay. So let me take you. Jesus comes to stay at the home of Mary and Martha. Now, the place is packed with people. And where do we find Mary in all of this? She is sitting at Jesus' feet, which is a picture in Hebrew culture of learning from a rabbi. And so she's listening to everything that Jesus says. But there's another character, Martha. She's over here in the kitchen. And she's all upset. I can't believe she's sitting there. We have all this work. We have all this company. And she had it up to here. And so she decides to take matters into her own hand. She interrupts Jesus' teaching and says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And Jesus responded. Now listen carefully to what he said. 
This is from Luke chapter 10. Martha, Martha, you are so worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed and it will not be taken away from her. What was the one thing that Mary was doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching is to be enraptured, an encounter that your heart is being moved and you're allowing every word that comes from the word of God that comes from our Savior to be heard. Hey, Chris did a great job being Jesus, didn't he? Let's give him a hand. Thank you, brother. I've been hugged by Jesus. That's a, that's a great feeling. That is, that is awesome. And so with that in mind, I want you to think of this. We want to be as a church this value of devoted to the apostles' teaching. And that being the case, I want you to realize this is not just listening to commands and instructions, but watching what they did. In other words, we're, we're kind of like going along with the apostles and discovering by looking at them how we should act. Let me give you an example. Later on, after chapter 2, we move to chapter 3. In chapter 4, Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin, not a friendly group of people. And they're asking him, stop teaching in Jesus' name. And, and here's what Peter says in chapter 4, verse 20. He says, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And so what I want to do is take that from Peter and see how we can learn to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the first thing I want you to take note of as we look at the apostles' teaching is that their teaching is saturated with Scripture. Their teaching is saturated with Scripture. What's their Scripture? It's the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew Scriptures. So let me take you to the beginning of Acts chapter 2. The 120 are gathered in the upper room, and they're praying, and they're, they're asking, Lord, come with your Spirit. What a great prayer. Come with your Spirit, Lord. Come with your Spirit. And the Spirit comes. This probably was right near the southern steps of the Temple Mount, because we know from Josephus that was a place where a lot of teaching took place. And these 120 pour out into the street, and they start proclaiming the glories of God in the vernacular of all these peoples from the entire Roman world. And people are like, wow, this is amazing. These are uneducated Galileans. And then somebody says, I know what's going on. They're all drunk. Peter took his cue. He gets on his proverbial soapbox and says, men and women of Jerusalem, these men are not drunk as you presuppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this was what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And at that moment, we see the beginning of a sermon that is filled with Scripture. In fact, if you have an open Bible, a paper Bible in particular, you will notice that and it isn't too long after we pass the, the indentation of the quote from Joel chapter 2, we move to a quote from Psalms chapter 16, and then you will see another indentation that is Psalm 110. And then if you actually study this passage, scholars will tell you that there's allusions to other parts of the Old Testament all through this passage. This is filled with Scripture. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think to yourself, how did these guys know this? I mean, how did Peter, 
We always call them the uneducated fishermen. But we have to be careful. Although they didn't have formal education, they grew up in an Orthodox Jewish community. And if you were an Orthodox boy, here's what was expected to you. You were expected to memorize the first five books of the Bible by the time you were 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, out of a curiosity, out of a show of hands, how many of you have memorized the first five books of the Bible? I don't see any hands going up here. That's not kind of our way, but it was for them. And if you were good at it, you know what the rabbi would say to you at, at your bar mitzvah? Young man, I want you to continue this journey, and I want you to memorize the rest of the Tanakh, the rest of the Hebrew scriptures. So these ragtag fishermen, they had God's word in them. Now, here's the question I want to say to you if you want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Do you have God's word in you? Have you learned it? Are you memorizing it? Is it becoming part of who you are? Because that is part of being devoted to the apostles' teaching. It's being in love with Scripture. And I have to say, people who don't have Scripture in your heart, you are missing out on such a treasure. Hey, the year was 2020, and there was this uh, little election that took place. I don't know if you guys are like New York, but, you know, in New York, the outcome of the election was highly debated among people. I mean, it was like people were at each other's throats after who's going to win this election. But I know you Nevadans, you know, everyone loves each other here, arms around each other, all of one heart and mind. No, I know you guys have the same problems we have in New York. But you know, there's a scripture that meant a lot to me that I had memorized at that time. It's Isaiah 40. This is what God says through Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been explained to you? I sit enthroned above the circle of the earth. I bring princes to naught and reduce rulers to nothing. You know what I learned? God is still on the throne. It doesn't matter who is riding on Air Force One. In fact, Chuck Colson, who used to work with President Nixon, he said, Christians need to remember salvation never arrives on Air Force One. It only comes from God himself. But you know where I get this from? My Bible. I'm, I'm reading this. I'm putting this in my heart. If you want to be under the apostles' teaching, my challenge is get these words in your heart. Learn to memorize them. And all of us, I don't care what age you are, can learn a few words and start repeating them and gaining the strength of these words. So the first thing I take note of is this devotion of the apostles' teaching is a love of Scripture and being saturated in it. Secondly, the apostolic teaching is saturated with Jesus. Man, these guys like to talk about Jesus. I mean, it's what they, they do. So Peter, when he's reaching the climax of his service, in chapter 2, verse 32, we read these words. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. Now, I want to take a note of that word witness. It's martyrus. Now, why is that fascinating? Is because that's where we get our word martyr from. In other words, these people would die for what they were witnesses of. But the punchline of everything that Peter is saying comes down to Jesus. And if we flip the page, when he's in front of the Sanhedrin, and they're challenging them about what they're teaching, Peter would say this in John, excuse me, in Acts chapter 4, verse 
12. He says, salvation is found in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So it was quite a few years ago, I was at a train station in Hammond, Indiana. I'm about to take a train to New York, and I'm just waiting on the station, and I'm seeing this 19, 20-year-old guy sharing his faith with someone else on the platform. I'm like, wow, look at that guy go. And I thought, I'm going to have some fellowship on this trip. This is great. So the train pulls in, I get on, and I'm in a coach car. It has about 70 seats. And I'm watching that young man gets on the coach car, and he goes seat to seat to seat to seat sharing his faith. I'm like, this guy's an animal. Look at him. He eventually gets to me. And I said, hey, I, I've been watching you share your faith. I am a Christian. And he, he says, well, what kind of church you go to? I said, I go to a Baptist church in the Chicago area. And what church do you go to? I go to First Baptist Hammond, Indiana, Pastor Jack Heil. I said, oh, nice to meet you. And then he looked at me suspiciously and he said, what does your church think about drinking? You mean like alcohol? Yeah. What do you guys teach? Well, pretty much what the scripture says. What do you mean? Well, Ephesians 5 verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's processing what I'm saying, and he's going, are you saying it's possible to be a Christian and to drink? Well, do you read it differently than that? And he gets up and walks away. He wanted nothing to do with me. I'm like, wow, that was weird. So I go to New York, finish my time there, and I get on the train to come back. But I splurge now, now I'm in a sleeper. And I go into my little roomette, and the man across the hall from me is in all these brown robes. He's an Augustinian monk. I'm like, whoa, that's fascinating. So at the dining car, the dining car steward seats us at the same table. Now, I said, I'm actually in seminary studying to be a pastor. Oh, I'm a monk with the Augustinian brain. Before you know it, all we could talk about was Jesus. I mean, he loved Jesus. He just wanted to talk more about Jesus. What was your journey with Jesus? By the time he got off the train in Indianapolis, he embraced me as a brother. And I thought, isn't this weird? I have more theologically in common with that kid who got on the train in Hammond, Indiana. But here I am embracing this man. Why? Because he was in love with Jesus. You know, it says in John 16, Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will talk about me. J.I. Packer writes in his book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is like floodlights on Jesus. Do you ever wonder if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, one of the best litmus tests is, do you love Jesus? I mean, do you love talking about him, singing it to him, just enjoying his presence? The Holy Spirit just loves speaking about Jesus. And here's what we notice from the apostles. They cannot get enough of Jesus. Join me with the apostle Paul in a Philippi jail. When he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, Whatever was to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the, pick up the superlative, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. He goes on to say, I want to share in the power of the resurrection. I want to be like him 
in his suffering. I want to be like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I've already attained this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's the apostle Paul. He's insatiable in his love for Jesus. If we're sitting under the apostles teaching, we should catch on to that because they love to talk about Jesus. We, as the disciples who are following after, should also have that. And if you're finding yourself not talking much about Jesus, ask the Lord, Lord, give me a fresh vision of your son. I want to know more of him. I want to discover what it's like to to experience every part of him. And he'll answer that prayer. So what do we see? Their teaching is saturated with scripture. Number two, it is saturated with Jesus. And number three, I find that it's filled with so much learning about their life examples. So indulge me for a moment. We're hanging out on the southern steps of the Temple Mount. It's 2,000 years ago. And look, there's Peter and John. They're going up to the temple. And so we go through the mikvah bath with them to purify ourselves, to get ready to go up to the Temple Mount. And we're just watching them. And and let's read along now. This is chapter 3, starting in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was putting, put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. But then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him up by the right hand, he helped him up instantly. The man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk when he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now, I want you to take note. We just took this walk with them. What did you notice? When they came to the gate beautiful, there's a beggar there. He's a lame beggar. Did they ignore him, not make eye contact, or did they engage? No, they engaged. When you're walking into the Walmart on Lake Mead Parkway and Boulder Highway, and you bump into homeless people, if you're like most of us, we kind of like want to have look straight ahead because if I look at that person, I will feel responsible, like I have to do something for that person. But I want to be a student of the apostles' teaching. And I'm noticing that Peter and John are not afraid to not only look at somebody who is begging, but say, look at me. And then they, Peter says, you know, silver and gold I, have, I do not have. I have to admit, I have some silver and gold. I actually could help if I wanted to. And then I'm thinking, you know, but I can't raise somebody from being a cripple to, to walking. You know what? They couldn't either. Who is the healer? It's Jesus. You know, if the Spirit told you, to that person who's outside of the Walmart, outside of the Panda Express, you know, just hanging out there. And the Spirit told you, go to them and pray for them. Would you do it? 
Because that's what we see these guys doing, and I want to learn from them. You know, when I was in seminary, I would take uh, work at seminary in the daytime, and in the afternoon, I'd get off the train in Chicago, and I would have to walk eight blocks to Wabash Avenue, where my Amtrak office is. And on every single corner, there was a homeless man. And I'm thinking, man, all day long at, at school, I'm learning about, you know, be like Jesus. And I'm passing this one homeless guy, and I'm passing the other homeless guy, and I'm, I felt guilty. I'm like, man, what should I do? So I thought, I know, I'll ask one of my professors. So I went to Dr. Ware, and I said, Dr. Ware, every day I have to pass these eight homeless guys. You know, I'm, I'm a seminary student. I want to do what's honorable to God. What do you think I should do? And he gave me the answer I've heard all my life. Steve, I'm always concerned what they're going to do with my money. I don't want them to buy alcohol with it and, and uh, you know, drugs. So I, I generally don't give. I'm like, that's the answer I kind of like. You know, I can walk by and I don't want to make you drink, you know, kind of thing. But I, I was stupid enough to ask another professor, cranky old Dr. Downs. And I said, Dr. Downs, I walk past these eight homeless people every day. What do you think I should do? And he said, oh, Steve, that's so easy. Just do what Jesus said. Now that made me nervous. When somebody says, just do what Jesus said, what, what are you referring to that he said? Oh, very simple. He just said, give to everyone who asks. Excuse me? I said, but wouldn't your family go broke? He says, he didn't say give everything to them. He said, give something. I always keep some change in my pocket. And if they ask me, I, I give it to them. And I ask the Spirit's guidance as I move along. And you know what? I was convicted in my heart to realize my compassion muscle needs to be exercised a little bit. And so I need to start doing that and being prepared to give things away because what I observe of the apostles is that they interacted with these who were begging. And you know what? We in 2023 in Las Vegas have plenty of people we can interact with, and I want to mirror that in my own life. So here's what I learned. Being devoted to the apostles' teaching, I want to gain scriptures, memorize them, learn them, have it saturated in my conversation. Number two, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to learn more about him. I want to discover all that there is about him. I want to observe what these apostles are doing and watch them so I can seek to do that too, which brings me to the fourth one. And that's this, that this apostolic teaching can be passed on to another generation. Let me give you a scripture. It comes from the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. And these things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That brings us right here. When I started becoming an attender here at this church, I want to be under the apostolic teaching passed down that now is in the hands of, of, of Pastor Brad and, and Pastor Chris and Pastor Taylor. Tyler. And we want to learn from them and, and grow from them. I... I I've been joking with Pastor Chris. When he preached this last time and he told the story of his, of his mom and, his, and she says, that is nothing you can say to me now that I will you know, forgive you. And then he tells a story about sharing his faith with his friend and his mom goes, that is one thing you can tell me right now. 
I've been thinking about that so much because I want to learn and I want to keep being a student. And I want to challenge everyone in this room that you fall under this apostolic teaching to be an emissary to someone else. Do you remember the prophecy from Joel? In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Anyone in this room not counted in that number there? All people? Okay, and, and here's what it goes on. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What is prophecy? Declaring the works of God. When Emma Thomas came, Kate Thomas, Thomas came up here and started sharing, she's going for it. She's given the word. And she is giving us something. She is in that apostolic tradition. You see, when we look at the word uh, apostle in the scripture, we see that there's apostle with a big A, which is the apostles. But we see apostle with the small a, and that's what the word means. It's sent ones. But that prophecy of Joel goes on to say, it says your young men, they're going to have visions. And your old men, hey, that fits me. We're going to dream dreams. Everyone is included in this. Now, I want to talk to my seniors here because there are some. I, I see you guys out there. And you're thinking, okay, I paid my dues. I taught Sunday school for 20 years back in Louisiana. I don't need to teach anymore Sunday school. I've had it. You know, my pastor back in New York used to tell me this. The Lord has a wonderful way when, he, when it's time to retire. You die. <laughs> and until that day comes, you and I roll up our sleeves and get engaged because this is for everyone. It's for everyone. But I want to end with a story which is very precious to me. So this past Monday, my 93 and a half year old mom went home to be with the Lord. She was in my house. I was with her by her side. She loves the Lord and it was a sweet passing, it really was. But two weeks ago, I could sense my mom was having anxiety. Death is like that. She's walked with the Lord all her life, but we get scared. We get nervous. And so I took her by the hand, and I said, Mom, I want to encourage you. It says in John 14, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In our Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, he would have told us. He goes to prepare a place for us. And if he goes to prepare a place for us, he will come again and be with us that where he is, we may be also. And as I'm giving her this verse, it hit me for the first time. The reason I know this verse is because when I was five years old, my mom, 56 years ago, took that apostolic tradition and gave it to her little boy. I said to mom, did you know that you were gonna be investing in yourself when you taught me those words when I was five years old? And yet here I am, giving these very words of comfort that you taught to me back to you. Brothers and sisters, I just wanna challenge you to nurture this value with me of being 
under apostolic teaching, but also to become instruments of these apostolic words of truth to those you encounter. Now, after we're all done here, and I'm going to pray in a moment, prayer team's going to come up. And if you feel dry, like you're not sensing that power of the Holy Spirit coming into you, enabling you, can I remind you the words of Jesus? This is in Luke chapter 11. Jesus tells a story. How many of you fathers, if your son asks for a piece of bread, will you give him a scorpion? Of course not. And then Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Anyone in this room who wants to be like the Apostle Paul and crave more of Jesus, to become more and more like him, to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit. Would you come up and speak to a member of the prayer team? And let's just pray together, hungry for more, because he has it for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to see Jesus. We want to see him in his beauty and majesty. We want to see him in his compassion for the poor. We want to see him in his graciousness to the sinner because we are sinners. Father, in the end, fill us with your spirit. Give us that hunger that just wants more and more of you until the day we close our eyes here and open them in the presence of your son in his warm embrace. Father, bless this congregation as together we seek to be a people of prayer and to a people devoted to the apostles' teaching. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.